0: Good evening, everybody. Uh, my name is Dan B and I'm from Michigan and I'm a grateful, compulsive overeater and I'm abstinent. Uh, it's a miracle. Um, I, uh, my story begins many years ago. Uh, I grew up in the Metro Detroit area. Uh, my dad was a great guy and, uh, My mom was the greatest and I had three sisters. I didn't have any brothers. And uh, I came from an average uh, middle-class family. And uh, my topic for the meeting tonight uh, is gonna be based on a simple little phrase that's on page 59, at the top of page 59. And it's a little phrase that says, we stood at the turning point and it's going to be the basis for my talk tonight. And I've had many turning points in my life and in my recovery. Um, one of my first turning points was uh, when I was quite young. I, I believe that I was uh, born a compulsive overeater uh, uh, because I was using food from the mo- the my very first memory, I can remember uh, my dad bringing stuff home from the grocery store and just uh, plopped in front of the TV and, and and just eating and and everything was about eating. Everything was, you know, we took Sunday drives and what did we do? We went and got something to eat. We went for a Saturday night drive. What did we do? We got something to eat on the way out and on the way back. Everything was centered around eating and uh it uh it was the way it was because that's the way it was uh back then uh when i uh one of the things that makes uh, a difference in my life today is when i wake up i i realize that i have a choice um being a compulsive overeater um i realize that every morning that um that I need help. And so one of the one decision that I have to make every morning is I have to decide if I'm going to live in fear or if I'm going to live in courage. And uh, being in recovery, I choose to live in courage. And by doing that, when I get up in the morning, the very first thing I do when I open my eyes is I ask God to direct my thinking. I ask him to move my thinking away from self-pity, from dishonest thinking, and also from self-seeking motives. As I mentioned that, I right now I can look back over my day doing a 10 step and, and think and even share with you that, yes, there were some self-seeking motives going on today. <laughs> And uh, as our literature says, uh, it says when it happens, not if it happens. And and so this is uh, where uh, I have to keep things simple. And I have to remember that I can't be loyal to my mind, my brain, because my brain is not loyal to me. But fortunately, I have a higher power, and that higher power is very loyal to me. He's he's the principal, and I'm his agent. He's the boss, and I find out uh, I pray for only for knowledge of his will for me and the power to carry that out. Some years ago, I was at a, another 12-step group. It was a AA meeting, and uh, someone was asked, to read how it works on, uh, in the big book. And uh, as the guy uh, was preparing to read it, there was an awkward silence. And uh, he, lo- the guy that was going to read it looked quietly around the room. And with a smile, he tapped his knuckles on the table and he said, listen up, guys, I'm only gonna read this once. And he read uh, pages 58 through 60. You know, uh, when he tapped his, uh, when he tapped his knuckles on the table, you know, he had my curiosity. But when he uh, said, listen up, guys, I'm only gonna read this once. He had my attention. Uh, One of the most important things that I've learned in OA is uh, that sometimes wanting something is actually a lot better than actually having it. Yeah. Uh, So I had many turning points in my recovery. Uh, and I talked about one of them earlier, you know some of the earlier uh memories of just everything being around food. uh I can remember another turning point when I got to around ten years old, and we went shopping and uh and I had to find some pants and uh you know when you're putting on weight and uh it you know anyhow i so I had to, uh, we, we were in Sears and I had to go into the Husky boys, uh, department and get my, uh, pants. And, and right away, I, when I had to get those, I, I don't know why I, I started feeling different in a, a little, uh, I don't know what it was. I can't tell you because that was then and this is now. And, uh. But that was a turning point and I remember not knowing what to do and, and feeling awkward and, and, and just feeling bad. Uh, eventually, uh, because I'm a product of another generation, I started picking up other stuff that, that wasn't food and, uh, so the food took a back seat for a while. <clears throat> and, uh, and I went on with my life and eventually I got up into a point where, uh, where I'd try to put on my pants, and uh, I couldn't get them on. And I was thinking, the first thought I had was not that I was eating too much. I was thinking, you know, i got to stop leaving my pants in the dryer so long. That's what it is. I'm leaving them in the dryer too long, and they're shrinking. Yeah. (laughs) I think we all know where I'm going on this, don't we? Yeah, I had I had many turning points. I uh there was many after that. Uh there was uh oh it was crazy. You know, boxes and bags. It got to the point one night where I I remember I was standing in a supermarket checkout line and I was looking at what I was holding in my hands. And I was thinking, is this going to do it? Is this is this going to do it? Is this going to put me to sleep tonight? And and it was an uncomfortable question for myself because I didn't know. I didn't know. I first walked into Overeaters Anonymous thirty seven years ago, yesterday, on New Year's Day. 1986. Well, I don't know. Do the math. I uh, went to a party the night before and I, uh, I ate all the junk food there and then I moved on to some other stuff. Then I went home and I kept on eating. I was eating in the dark I was eating while I was sleeping, and the next morning, I realized that I'd almost choked to death, and I did something that I never did before, because I was at another another turning point. Yeah, there's that word again, turning point. We stood at the turning point, but there was something different that I did at that time. I went to the next line and it and I said God I ask for your protection and care with complete abandon please I need your help and that's the very next line after the one that I mentioned and it's on page 59 as I was uh kneeling there in front of the refrigerator quietly a thought came over 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 me and it and the thought was, it was kind of a ridiculous thought. And the thought was, go to an AA meeting. And this is where I probably should mention that, yes, I, I was in uh, AA before I came to OA. I was in Alcoholics Anonymous. and And so when that thought came into my head, it made sense to me. And that thought crowded out everything else. It kept blasting away in my head go to an AA meeting but quickly got dressed i went down to i drove down to the alano club and i got went down the stairs and into the huge fluorescent lit room and there was nobody there you know and and then there was the ego side of me that was thinking well heck Didn't they know I was coming? But there wasn't anyone there. But as I looked around the room, I I looked across the room, and there was a door that was open on the other side of the room. And all of the times, all of the times I'd gone to that room, that door had never been open. And I got to tell you, that door had my attention. And I walked towards it. I noticed there was a light on. And I walked in, I kept walking. And as I walked in, there were some windows off to the right side of the room. And there was a lady sitting there, a very well-dressed lady in a, a thin, normal-sized body. She had her purse sitting next to her. and I just looked at her and kept walking, minding my own business. And as I walked past her, I was having another turning point. And as I walked past her, I heard her say, away, away. And I'm thinking to myself, what is she saying? Is she telling me to go away? So my my brain, because I was struggling with disorganized thinking, what I heard was, go away. I thought, she can't be telling me that. I turned around and I, I looked at her and I said, "What did you say?" And and she smiled and she said, "We're having an OA meeting here." I said, "What? What's OA?" And she said, "OA is this is a we have a meeting here. This is a, a program for people that are having a problem with food." My God, really? She smiled and she said, "Yes, yeah, pull up a chair." Wow. Uh, so the peop- the meeting started filling up with uh, all kinds of smiling, happy people, you know, in in normal, uh, thin, sized bodies, uh, like mine is today. You know, I want to I want to mention that to avoid any ego feeding propositions. Any success that I'm having staying abstinent today is due to a higher power working in my life. Not anything I'm doing. My higher power is doing it. So I started listening to these people and they started telling my story. (laughs) You know, if you, if you stay in the rooms long enough, you're going to hear your story. I started hearing mine at that, uh, at that very first meeting and it was exhilarating. I had people that understood. I can't tell you the exhilaration that I felt. One of the greatest things that I've learned in the program through reading our OA literature, our OA Brown book, our OA 12 and 12 and the information that I got that I get from all our literature and our literature is fantastic I think we can all agree on that but what just one of the things that I've learned is that when I have a problem I can trace it I can face it and I can erase it I can grab a pencil. A reminder. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I can grab a pencil. I can pick up the phone because they told me if your phone isn't ringing, pick it up and call someone. I can trace my problems. I can face my problems. And ultimately, I can erase my problems and come to a different turning point where I can remember that when I get up in the morning, I can ask God to direct my thinking. Called me up to the desk one day, and she asked me to recite something, something, you know, that everybody knew or I I should have known or whatever. I don't want to get into shoulds, you know. But I looked at her and I said, I can't do it. And she said, she told me, she said in a low voice, she said, she said, Daniel, don't tell me that you can't do something. Because if you tell me that you can't do something, that means you won't do it. So I started over. I I decided, well, I'm going to try to say the prayer. You know something? I said the prayer. She said, you did a good job. So what do i do today well i have three uh measured meals a day uh I, with nothing in between but life uh one thing that i don't do today is i don't eat in restaurants i know i know i know i am everybody's going to probably say well you're some kind of a fussy butt well maybe i am but i'm cautious i don't eat in restaurants i have uh three measured meals a day with nothing in between life. I have serenity, I have exuberance. And uh, when I was young, uh, I was told uh, that it's never uh, too late to start saving for your retirement. But one of the things that I was told when I came into OA is that it's never too late to have a happy childhood and that's what I reclaimed in OA. I reclaimed my happy childhood and it's never too late to have a happy childhood. I want to thank uh, thank everyone uh, for letting me share tonight and uh, just remember something good is going to happen today. And uh, thanks for letting me share, and I'll pass with that.